anthropological and archaeological evidence. Sadly, Neo-Hobbesian discussions of the anthropological and archaeological literature can be just as limited as their forays into primatology. In his 2011 book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined, Steven Pinker argues that levels of violence and warfare are now far below where they were during prehistory when quote-unquote chronic raiding and feuding characterized life in a state of nature, unquote. Without a single citation, Pinker lists a series of reasons foragers must have engaged in brutal warfare. Excerpt. Foraging peoples can invade to gain territory, such as hunting grounds, watering holes, the banks or mouths of rivers, and sources of valued minerals like flint, obsidian, salt, or ochre. They may raid livestock or caches of stored food. Note, livestock and caches of stored food are two things foragers don't have, or they wouldn't be foragers. And very often they fight over women. Men may raid a neighboring village for the express purpose of kidnapping women whom they gang rape and distribute as wives. End of excerpt. Doug Fry and Patrick Soderberg, two, two anthropologists who specialize in the study of pre-agricultural societies, were surprised by these assertions. Quote, Nowhere in the actual data on nomadic foragers are found instances of lethal raiding for trophies or coops, food caches, water holes, hunting grounds, river access, flint, obsidian, salt, or ochre, or to gang rape or claim betrothed women." Unquote. Fry and Soderbergh conclude that there is, quote, a meager degree of agreement between the actual nomadic forager data and Pinker's assertions about raiding, and that nomadic foragers do not actually raid neighboring community very much at all. Unquote. These distortions of how endemic lethal violence is in hunter-gatherer lives are not inconsequential. In fact, they form a necessary baseline for the central argument of Pinker's book, which is that violence, quote, violence has declined over long stretches of time, and today we may be living in the most peaceable area, era in our species' existence, unquote. The archaeological evidence simply does not support this thesis. As Fry explains in War, Peace, and Human Nature, quote, The worldwide archaeological evidence shows that war was simply absent over the vast majority of human nature. Unquote. Instead, the archaeological record is quote-unquote clear and unambiguous in showing that war developed, despots arose, violence proliferated, and slavery flourished and the social position of women deteriorated after our species shifted from foraging to living in large-scale agricultural settlements. Civilization has not reduced the ravages of human violence. On the contrary, civilization is the source of most organized human violence.
reasonable people can disagree on what counts as homicide and what is war. What foragers are most representative of how our ancestors lived, what kinds of skeletal evidence are relevant, and so on. But the interpretation I'm presenting here is not controversial among those who have studied foragers in any depth. Pinker often cites Dr. Robert Kelly, for example, who is anything but an outlier among archaeologists. He has authored more than 100 articles, books, and reviews, including two of the most widely used university archaeology textbooks in the United States, and has served as department head at various universities and as the editor of the journal American Antiquity, the leading publication in archaeology in the United States. It would be hard to be more mainstream. In the foraging spectrum, a book whose title highlights Kelly's intention to accentuate the variability of forager societies. Kelly describes hunter-gatherers as living in, quote, small, peaceful, nomadic bands, men and women with few possessions, and who are equal in wealth, opportunity, and status. Unquote. Not mainstream enough for you? Pick up a copy of Cambridge Encyclopedia of Hunters and Gatherers, and you'll read that nomadic foragers, quote, have lived in rel relatively small groups without centralized authority, standing armies, or bureaucratic systems, unquote. The author stipulated, the evidence indicates that they have lived together surprisingly well, solving their problems among themselves largely without recourse to authority figures and without a particular propensity for violence. It was not the situation that Thomas Hobbes, a great 17th century philosopher, described in a famous phrase as the war of all against all. So where do Neo-Hubesian find evidence to support their bloody claims? Pinker presents eight quote-unquote pre-state societies he uses to establish a baseline for rates of death, supposedly typical of our forger ancestors. I'm going to let Pinker slide on how representative eight contemporary societies could be of the general hunter-gatherer experience 20,000 or more years ago, which is only fair since I can be accused of the same sort of reasoning via selected example. I'll mention that, but refrain from making a big deal of the fact that he has presented horticultural societies as being representative of foragers, as he did earlier in earlier books and essays without even addressing the discrepancy. After various scholars called him out on his highly problematic conflation of hunter-gatherers and horticulturalists, he stopped referring to his examples as hunter-gatherers, switching to the slippery phrase pre-state societies instead. Technically speaking, horticulturalists are pre-state societies if you accept the premise that foraging and horticultural societies are stages of development that lead inexorably to the state, a rather problematic colonialistic assumption. But even accepting that premise for the sake of argument, horticultural societies are no more representative of foragers than teenagers are of infants, despite the fact that both are pre-adults. Horticulturalists, by definition, have gardens domesticated animals, and static settlements, all things that may be worth fighting over, 
These accumulated resources are absent in foraging groups by definition. More problems with Pinker's argument were exposed when Fry went back to the original ethnographic resource material Pinker had used for his data on war deaths among foragers, including a 2009 article by Samuel Powells, published in Science. Fry found that in two of the societies of Pinker based his assessments on, the Achi of Paraguay and Hiwi of Venezuela slash Colombia, quote, all of the so-called war deaths include frontiersmen, ranchers killing the indigenous people. A tragic situation that has nothing to do with the levels of warfare death and nomadic hunter-gatherers during the Pleistocene, unquote. Incensed of seeing the murders of native people by in invading settlers used as evidence of the victims' supposedly innate warlike tendencies, Fry hammers the point, quote, to be absolutely clear, the only so-called war deaths reported are those where indigenous people were murdered or massacred by Venezuelans. All of these killings have been counted on so-called war deaths as if they have relevance to estimating war-related deaths in the Pleistocene, unquote. One hopes this was simply a case of Pinker's not having read his source material closely enough to realize what he was doing. But to my knowledge, he has not suffered or offered any corrections or retractions. In another essay in the book edited by Fry, War, Peace, and Human Nature, the Convergence of Evolutionary and Cultural Views, Brian Ferguson digs into Pinker's data and comes up with similarly disturbing results. Ferguson devotes an entire section to Pinker's list due to its crucial role in buttressing the argument that about 15% of the total population and a quarter or more of the adult men fell victim to the chronic warfare that supposedly plagued our prehistoric ancestors. These numbers, writes Ferguson, have become axiomatic, but Pinker's list consists of cherry-picked cases and high casualties, clearly unrepresentative of prehistory in general. Ferguson goes into great detail showing the context Pinker has left out of his discussion, concluding that the, the total archaeological record of prehistoric populations clearly demonstrates that war began sporadically out of warless conditions and can be seen in varying trajectories in different areas to develop over time as societies become larger, more sedentary, more complex, more bounded, more hierarchical. Ferguson concludes, we are not hardwired for war. We learn it. Pinker's statistical analyses can be a misle as misleading as his presentation of the data. Pinker cites the Kung San of Botswana as an example of violent foragers often misunderstood misunderstood by naive observers. The Kung San had been, quote, had been described by Elizabeth Marshall Thomas as the harmless people in a book of that title, Pinker scoffed. But as soon as anthropologists camped out long enough to accumulate data, they discovered that the Kung San had a murder rate higher than that of American inner cities. Unquote. Those anthropologists must have camped out a good long time what Pinker fails to explain, or maybe misunderstand, is that in a group of 150 people a typical size for the Kung San, a murder rate comparable to that of the deadliest American cities of around 20 
murders per 100,000 per year would translate to one killing every 30 or 40 years. Even if their statistical murder rate were doubled that of Baltimore or Eaglin, or rather Detroit, there'd be no average, on average, one violent death per generation, hardly the nasty, brutal existence Pinker paints. Even Kelly, from whom Pinker drew many of his numbers, understands how misleading these numbers can be if not presented carefully. Quote, The general tenor of daily social relations observed among foragers by the ethnographer, Kelly wrote, can readily be a strongly positive one of friendship, camaraderie, and communal sharing that is very rarely disrupted by argument or physical fighting. Unquote. As long as even well-intentioned, deeply thoughtful, Nobel Peace Prize-winning political leaders are telling a story in which war is wrongly but confidently depicted as being as old as humanity itself, how can we move forward or even envision a world without war? The narrative claiming ancient origins of war functions both as an erroneous explanation of human nature and tragically as an impediment to the eradication of unnecessary savagery.